Hello, welcome to the Design for a Living podcast with Chelsea Coriel. On this week's episode, we talk about the business of design and starting your own business. That's what this whole podcast is about, right? Starting your own interior design business. Um, we actually got some more questions and I wanted to give a shout out to Mary. She's so sweet and she keeps you know, sending us questions and I really wanted to actually uh, say her by name and say, we are listening and, and we want to answer your questions. Both of them are really about the business of design, about starting your design business, um, those little details at the beginning, and also about having the courage to start your design business, right? Oh yeah. That's a big one. So um, Mary asked, wondered if we could do an episode on the business side of things. Like she's starting out as a designer and she's not sure about how uh, to get her tax ID or should she be an LLC or an S Corp? You know, and I get this a lot. Um, and, and honestly, when I coach, it's around the world. So I don't give as much specifics because it, it varies from country to country, from state to state mm-hmm. and here in the United States. But there are a lot of things that are the same. A lot of things that I can teach that will help you get started or at least tell you where you can go find the information out yourself. So when you're starting your business, um, one of the things that I always recommend, the first three things you need to get started as a designer, really the only things you need to get started as a designer is a business card. Um, You need to have a name for your business. And I always say, use your own name. I mean, when you think about famous designers, it's not like you think about their company name. I mean, maybe Magnolia, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but for the most part, you think about their name, right? And it's actually easier when you do your taxes. It's much easier if it's just you, you know, Nadia Mossberg, interior design. Uh-huh. Now they're going to find me on Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> you have a great Instagram. So, but um, so choosing your name is one thing. But when it comes down to the LLC and S Corp, you, and I know you hear this and it sounds like a cop out, but you do need to ask in your area, ask a professional CPA or an accountant or a tax professional, because that isn't my area of expertise. But I can tell you what I've done in the past and the things that I've learned, which is being that independent designer for all these years, it was just easier to be a sole proprietor. Being a sole proprietor um, is the simplest form of starting a business. It's just you. It's telling the IRS, it's just me. I'm a, I'm a consultant. I'm a, you know, I'm an independent. There's, it's not a big um, organization. There aren't a lot of people to worry about. It's just me, right? It makes things really clean and simple. And when my husband and I would file our joint income tax, I would, I could do my business taxes there because I was a sole proprietor. And it was really, really simple. It was like with his business, he worked for a corporation. So they had to do you know, either get a W-2 and you put in all that. For me, because I was a sole proprietor, I just put in how much money I made, how much I spent on a, you know, cost of goods, um, you know, maybe a deduction for my home office and my car and things like that. But it made it really clean and simple. So that's what I always recommend when people are getting started. Because honestly, if you're starting out in this business, you probably shouldn't have employees. <laughs> You probably shouldn't have a business big enough that, you know, could ruin your life. I mean, you you need to start out walking before you run. 
Now, again, get advice from someone in your area. But the best piece of advice, and honestly, Mary, these were the kind of things that when I was reading both of your questions and thinking about what I wanted to talk about on this podcast, it occurred to me, people overthink this so much. I mean, it really, and that, that kind of tied in with the fear, right? The, the wondering how you transition from working um, as a kitchen designer at a big box store to starting your own design business. And I get it. I mean, I know the fear. I've been there. I've, I've, I worried. I felt it when I left the comfort of my corporate job when I was a designer for a big corporation. Um, I was scared too to go out on my own. I didn't know. What if I screwed up? You know, what if I did my taxes wrong? Are they going to come beat down my doors, the IRS? What if I get audited? Right? All these things are so scary. And I realized over the years, you just don't have to be that scared. You don't have to overthink it. You know, step back and look at the business you want to design, right? You're designing your business. And I always have, you know, a one-year plan, two-year, five-year, 10-year plan. But just start from today. Start with where you are today. I have great taste. I love interior design. I want to help people. How can I earn money doing that? You know, if you start out slowly, uh, you're not going to get into that hot water. You know, and if you do, <laughs> if, you know, God forbid you've done some horrible thing on your taxes, it might only cost you a couple hundred bucks. So if you're that nervous, you know, start with those plans, know where you want to go. You can reach for the stars and and plan on your two-year business, your five-year business, where what you want that to look like. But right now, just start remembering how much you love design, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that's why we all want to get into this business. That's why we dream about being a designer. And that's what keeps you going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Through hard days. Yep. We had a hard day today. Yes. And that that is what keeps you going. And I always say, speaking of CPAs and accountants, like I can't imagine a little kid ever saying, gee, someday I want to be an accountant or a, I dream of being a CPA and working in a a cubicle or, (laughs) but there's something about being a designer, right? It's like wanting to be a dancer, wanting to be a singer. You know, it's an art form. It's an expression of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So it is a different animal completely. So if it's something you're that passionate about and it's a gift you have and it's a talent and, and something that consumes, you know, your thoughts, then we need to do anything you can to get it started. And the best advice is to start slow. Don't, you know, don't expect to, you know, God forbid, rent a shop or get a lease on some place or, you know, buy tons of expensive samples or hire an assistant yet. You're not there yet. If you're just starting out, start with the basics. You love design. You have great taste. You want to help people. How do I find those people that want my help? right? How do I set up my basic business so that I'm charging a fair amount? I feel compensated. I'm starting to earn an income and I'm going to build my my business one client at a time. If you haven't ever been a designer before, you also don't, you, you can't do more than two projects at the same time. If you're just starting out and you're independent, you're having to get your own resources. I mean, Nadia, you've seen how much work it is. Could mm-hmm. you imagine like taking on multiple projects simultaneously if you're still trying to build the airplane. (laughs) Oh yeah. That's been kind of how I started was being thrown (laughs) into the deep end, juggling multiple. Yeah. It's definitely hard and things get missed and it's hard when you're juggling multiple different clients with multiple different personalities. So you also have to have multiple approaches. 
and how to um, present things and discuss well, yeah. hard qu- questions and topics. I have like right now clients that are so easy. Don't look, just swipe the card. <laughs> and some just suck everything out of you. Yeah. And, and, just, and, and different price points, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you're shopping for a client, you may have three different clients with different budgets. So one, you know, sky's the limit, money, and you get to, you know, pick these luxurious <laughs> materials and things. And others, you're looking at different vendors where we can mm-hmm. save money and where we can, Different you know, deadlines. Yeah, different deadlines. Different styles. So it's just a lot, a lot to juggle. Yeah. So there really is, I mean, it's simple, but it's something I always go back to, quit overthinking it, right? It, they say paralysis by analysis. When you overthink it, you're never going to go after your dream, and it's not as hard as you think it is. <laughs> There's a lot of bad information out there. Again, if you know, if you if you wanted to be that kind of designer that was doing commercial spaces right off the bat, and you know, there's a lot of liability in that because you're dealing with the public. You know, you can't pick out just any carpet. If you're dealing with the public, you have to know your flammability ratings, you have to know what your building codes are, you have to know wearability for commercial ratings. There's a lot more that goes into it. Those are the designers I usually say, yeah, go to school, you know, get a design degree. It's more like interior architecture. But if you're more, um, you know, interested in people's homes and families and, you know, that's really what the wave of, you know, this interior design craze that's going around the world, everyone's so excited and involved and they really feel like it's obtainable, right, to be a designer. Well, that's fine. That's easy. You need a business card. (laughs) You need some confidence. You need to have a contract so you don't get taken advantage of. You need to know those little tips and tricks so that when you do find clients, um, you know how to set expectations, right? Because that yeah, we doesn't just matter. talked about that this morning. Yeah, it doesn't matter how many times you tell them, you know, it's going to be six to eight weeks. They will always call at week four and say it's been a month <laughs> every time. So, you know. Starting off with what can you handle today? And it's it's one of the goal, um, goal sheet that I, I work with my one-on-one coaching clients where we keep reminding them to start where you are today and take one step forward. What can I do tomorrow that gets my business closer to where I want it to be? You don't have to, to you know, try to get in magazines right away or, I mean, I always get these questions, um, you know, I want to open all of my accounts with all of these vendors and they're requiring minimum orders and they're well yeah of course they don't want to deal with every you know Susie decorator that's trying to get stuff at a discount our industry would collapse there are reasons that you know there there are um kind of standards yeah yeah standards and sort of goals you have to meet one of them is that tax id and there he asked about how to get her tax id now every state it's called something different, which is weird. Sometimes it's a reseller's permit. It's been a tax ID. I'm trying to think other places. Texas, it was something else. <laughs> I've lived in Florida, Texas, Washington, and California, and they all had different names for it. But essentially, it lets you buy things at wholesale, mark them up, and resell them at a new price, collect tax on that new price, and then you pay your taxes on it. And that sounds kind of simple. Some designers will say, well, You know, when I'm just starting out, I don't want to buy products. I don't want to worry about that. Well, two things. There aren't enough hours in a day. There aren't enough hours in a month to make a real living just charging hourly. You know, unless you 
are so spectacular that you can charge $300 an hour. That's pretty unheard of, especially if you're just starting out. So, you know, there, there have to be other ways for you to make income or you're just struggling. So, you know, I do teach in my course, I teach how to find vendors that you can open with and work with designers. You just have to buy one piece, but you wait till you have a client first. You get the client, you know which vendors you would like to work with, and you have that tax ID number so that when you're ready, I need to get a sofa, I need to get lighting, I need to get, you know, wallpaper, whatever it is, you can go to them and say, I'm a designer, here's my tax ID. It proves that you're a real business, that you've taken it seriously, that you aren't just someone trying to get a discount. And you can say, I need to order a sofa. <laughs> I'd like to open an account. And there are a lot of vendors these days that will do just one piece. The big ones, no. The big ones take a lot more um, hoops you have to jump through. You know, vendors that we have on our floor, I can't count how many. I had to spend ten dollars to $15,000 each just yeah. to get the privilege of selling them, to, to be able to sell that name here. So I never expect new designers to have to worry about that. And there are lots of online places that you can find that work with designers, but that tax ID number in our industry, especially is something that just kind of tells all your vendors and your showrooms and design centers, Hey, I'm serious. I'm so serious about being a designer that I went out of my way to get a tax ID, to pay for it, to register my name. I'm going to pay those taxes. I'm going to do all of that. It's just kind of a door opener in our industry. And um, I'm trying to think where I was. I think it was California when I first started my coaching business. And I'd been doing that for a few years. And so my, I hadn't used my tax ID number. I didn't buy anything for clients because I was just coaching. And um, the state canceled it. I got, I got a letter that my tax ID had been canceled. And, you know, when you want to go to market or you want to go to High Point or you want to go someplace like that or design centers, you have to always ask, what's your tax ID number? I mean, if, any account you've ever opened – for any of our vendors, they say, "What we need your tax ID number. They don't even ask for a business license in our industry because some places don't require it, but you have to have that reseller permit or the tax ID number. So I called and complained and they're like, well, you don't use it, but I do. <laughs> I'm just not buying things and marking them up and selling them. But in as a designer, it's really important to have that. It was a big fight, but... Uh, I did finally get it reinstated, but it is something for, it's just something our industry has always used. It's kind of this rule. If you're serious as a designer or a decorator and not a homeowner trying to get a break, you know, trying to save a buck, you go through the hoops to get a tax ID number. So it is important. Now, depending on what state, again, I don't know what it might be called where you are, but it's an easy thing to Google. You Google your state, doing business in your state, doing business as an interior designer in your state. Um, and, you know, what what do I need to um, resell items, to be a reseller? But it is, it it's important, right? It, it's one of those things that's um, simple to get. It's easy. They're usually like 35 bucks, maybe 50 bucks. But it'll make a big difference. And it, it, it lets you have respect in the industry. People will start taking you seriously. And that's what you're looking for, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you want the industry to take you like, oh, Oh, you, you really have a business. <laughs> well, I have a question for you personally. Yes. What was, or what were some of your biggest like business flops? 
that you wish you did differently or you knew a couple and then um a couple or what were some things that you did good and well that you're like okay this is really working for me yeah or oh shoot i wish i did that good question so you've been yeah you've been in different states you've traveled Mm -hmm. Um, different seasons of your life, different seasons of it's a nice design. way to say that I'm old. No, you know, with kids and you know, your She's husband's being polite because I'm her Stop elder. It. No, and then just also in terms of different um, years of design, like when the market mm-hmm. dropped, when it was super hot, this style was trending, or something else. Like, how did you weather those storms? And you know, yeah, good question, Nadia. Thank you. I know I get a gold star in uh-huh. You'd be surprised. She she'll she'll do me any favor for a gold star. Yep. Um, you know, the the number one thing that still haunts me today is not having my contract soon enough mm. and assuming that because someone I'd worked with them for so long and they were friends, that meant they would always have my back and take me seriously and pay me. <laughs> but after you've been working with someone for so long, I think, well, well this, this project was just for friends, right? This project was, you know, a freebie. No, <laughs> still my career, still um, my job. I did have that client who literally said to me, listen, little girl, you should have had me sign a contract. Oh, haunts me. Oh, my so, goodness. Yeah, have a contract of any kind. I mean, there's, you know, I obviously, in my course, I give um, one that I've always used and there's blanks and you put your logo and you just fill in the, you know, fill in your name, <laughs> insert name here. But you know, to have something that's a business contract that says, these are the services I'm going to provide for you. This is what I expect. This is what you can expect from me. And this is, you know, you're going to pay me. This is the point of no return. They have to take you seriously. Yeah. And some things are really important in the design industry in terms of contacts. Mm-hmm. I mean, contracts. Mm-hmm. Contacts. Does your, um, that part of your course go over it, like in terms of how you can fire them, how mm-hmm. if you're shopping me, if there's like a emergency in the family? That goes over it, right? Yes. Like I mean, what to put shopping into you, you, there's nothing you can do about that. I mean, there's there's um, psychological tactics <laughs> that you can use in sales techniques to get people to stop you from shopping and stealing your ideas. But and if all they that do it over and over, you can kind of terminate. Oh, well, sure. But but what I have learned over the years, and I started, my contract started, um, it was a experienced designer that was with my very first job. So I was 21. She was like 45. Happened to be married to a lawyer. And she'd been an independent designer for years. And so she had had her husband write her up, you know, a pretty basic but very legal contract. And I've taken that over the years and um, amended it and tweaked it. And anytime I come into something that is a big red flag or something that's that's happened, it goes in the contract. Mm-hmm. Like I said, in our industry, and it says it clearly in my contract, in our industry, back orders and discontinues are commonplace. If, if something you've ordered becomes backordered or is no longer available, it is not my liability as a designer. It was not my fault and I'm not to be held responsible. I'm not, I don't owe you that money. Um, this is our industry. And when we're picking and choosing from multiple vendors to create just the right look, right? If you're buying everything from one store, that's one thing, but you're, you might be dealing with 30 different companies to design one house. So you can't control. You don't know always. They're not, those companies aren't always great communicators. And like for, here's a great example. This might, this might be a new addition to our, uh, to our contract. We are having a global pandemic. There are trickle down effects happening in our industry that we kind of guessed at, 
but boy, are we seeing them now. Mm-hmm. And that is, it isn't just, um, well, gosh, they stopped importing stuff from China, right? So that stuff got backlogged and, and containers got pushed aside and now they're getting stored indefinitely. But it has affected shipping around the world. This pandemic has really completely shooken up and, and different things going on in the world, um, the shipping industry. So all of our vendors have been saying, listen, there are containers that have been ready. The furniture's made. It's been built and it's sitting in a container for the last two months waiting on the shore to be shipped here. And there's nothing they can do about it. They're just as frustrated. They're yeah. just as upset. And so there was a, um, a unhappy client today that, and he's, I just think he's having a bad day. He'll be fine once he sees how beautiful his place is. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he said, well, I, I didn't know it would, it would take this long. You told me a certain amount of time and we're really, we're really clear, right? At the expectations that we set. Um, but you didn't tell me, you know, you didn't warn me that things could take this long and that could be delayed. Well, I've never lived through a global pandemic before. I've never, we've never known mm-hmm. shipping containers around the world to be stacked up. And I'm going to keep reading, you know, stories about things where it's terrible what's happening, but that's not our fault, right? How, how can they blame us for what's happening? Don't hate the player, hate the game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, there, there might be more things that I'm going to be adding to that contract, but for, yes, for the most part, it is a lot of stuff. There was um, one client I worked with in Florida, and she was all gung-ho. We were working on the project, paint, and we'd started selecting furniture, and I was getting to the point where I was just about to order things. And then she said her husband said, no more, stop. You know, maybe his job was in jeopardy, or and things happen, right? Yeah. Things happen in people's lives, and they had a certain budget in mind, and then that changes. So she said, we got to put the whole project on hold. Okay, no problem. Well, I started working on another house and then another house. And it was probably like three or four weeks later, she she called and said, okay, good, 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 good news. We can start again. Okay, well, I'm in the middle of another, you know, two projects. I was all in with, and they were big projects. I couldn't just pick up where we left off like that. She was going to have to wait now because now I had a waiting list. She was not happy, but it says it in my contract now. If for some reason our project, you and I working together stops, it is when you decide to start the project again, you may be at a different position, you know, in my business or I forget how it's worded, but, but essentially it's saying that. So I have worked really hard over the years. Um, and, and each designer is different. You know, if you're, if your specialty is color consultations, you better have something in there that, you know, um, it's, it's. Colors can be perceived, you know, I don't know, something that's, um, it's not your fault if for some reason they change their mind and they don't like that color after all. Or if yeah. it's, you know, that there, there are so many different things that can go into it. But again, if you have a basic legal contract that you're doing business, and I'm sure there's a bunch of generic ones out there um, that will cover, I'm a new designer, I'm going to go advise people. I'm going to be a consultant. I'm going to start out slow. I'm going to get a couple clients to start with. And I'm going to only buy furniture from companies that are easy to get, you know, restoration hardware or Pottery mm-hmm. Barn or whatever, Crate and Barrel. I mean, that's a great way to start. You can yeah. still start a really good business with that. Yeah. And I think sometimes we don't really use that contract as much here. 
which I think we're kind of going to get into. But sometimes um, we're just like, oh, we're engaging that client. They're great. Like, I don't need that. Mm -hmm. I don't need to lock them in. We're great. But sometimes you just can't tell in the beginning until you're halfway and you're like, oh, my God. Ugh, I just wish we would have just, yep. been, you know, kind of like seriously and protected. A piece of uh, advice a friend gave me, she was talking divorce about her husband and the divorce she just gone through. She said, you just never know someone till you divorce them. Oh, yeah. You don't know a person until they're at the end of the remodel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's, a whole new. That's a whole new. I mean, they have waited patiently and they have spent a lot of money. But let me tell you, when we installed that project this weekend... I'm expecting a big, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry we put you through stress. Oh, they said anything, you're going to love it. I mean, again, tensions are are high right now. Everyone's a little agitated. Everyone's a little, their expectations are off. They're not being... Um, it gets I mean, personal too. Well, once yeah. you spend so much time with them, that, that kind exactly. of like personal attacks too. Yeah, exactly. And, and we, we are talking about big chunks of time. I mean, what else in your life have you ordered that takes eight to 12 weeks? not much, especially something that you're giving like a big chunk of money you've saved. So, and I'm a very impatient person. I don't know that I could wait for (laughs) for custom furniture, but that's me. I know that about myself. But, you know, really best piece of advice, right? Keep researching, but don't overthink it. Start with the baby steps. Start with the thing you can handle today, you can do by tomorrow. Just move forward. Because at the end of the day, this is something you've dreamed of, right? This isn't, I want to be a CPA that <laughs> takes years and years mm-hmm. of schooling. This is a passion and an artistry and you can do this. It's not that hard. This is not, there are not design police hiding around the corner. You're not going to get audited six months in after, you know, you've only earned a couple thousand dollars. So don't worry about it. Just get started. Just do it. Just, just go after that dream and it's going to start to fall into place and you can get smarter as you go and you can learn more and you can build upon it, but just get started. Don't use that as an excuse to not go after your dream. Because everyone starts somewhere, yep. you know, any big story, any big successful person, any successful designer, there's yep. always starting small. There's always a story Yep, and it makes it your own, you know? Yeah. It depends on how hard you work and how fast it'll snowball, you know, how de- dedicated you are, the time you put in you know, how determined you are, how focused you are. You know, I always say you can, to be a successful designer, you can do it part-time or full-time, but you cannot do it in your spare time. Mm-hmm. It, it just doesn't work. That's I mean, you know, line. unless you don't care about making money, but that's why we have this podcast. I want to teach people, yeah. take this passion, right? This skill, this talent and make a career out of it. Cause it's so rewarding. Design for a living. Yeah. Design for a living. Yay. Thank you so much, everyone. Happy designing. Happy designing. See you all next week. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Design for a Living with Chelsea Coriel. Our episodes will be dropping on Sunday, so stay tuned. We are on Google Podcast and Spotify, and soon you will find us on YouTube where we will upload podcast videos. So stay tuned for that and follow along. Thanks so much for being with us. Find us online at designforaliving.com. Visit us on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, and House at Design for a Living. If you'd like to submit a question or request a topic, email us at chelsea at designforaliving.com. That's C-H-E-L-S-E-A at designforaliving.com.